Welcome to Freedom Decoded. My name is Demir Bentley. You're listening to Freedom Decoded, a podcast where Carrie and I normally let our hair down and talk to you about uh, the behind the scenes of our freedom lifestyle. Today, we're actually going to be bringing in a special guest, Jenny Godstein, who's going to be talking to us about a really fascinating topic and something that a lot of our clients have struggled with, um, which is her sparkle zone training. But we're going to dive into all of that. I'm just going to say, Jenny, welcome. Thanks, Demir. So great to be here. So little known factoid about you and I is that we grew up in the same small town. Mm-hmm. A town of 100 people. So we uh, oh. we know each other pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, and and our, you know, as as per normal, we both went our separate ways and then relinked up again in New York. And um, why don't you tell people a little bit about your background? And we'll get into sort of how you got to where you're at today, but give them a little bit of like, what does your path look like um, up to this point? So I guess when we got reconnected in New York, I was probably just coming out of school and my first job was in entertainment. I worked in nightlife, um, which is ironic because as you know, I'm a very serious person, but I had uh, gotten this uh, bee in my bonnet and I thought that fun and play was a real catalyst for change. So I wanted to understand how do you make fun and play happen? So I uh, I dove into creating that in New York. Then I got a kind of once in a lifetime job that fell in my lap where I joined a company called The Go Game and designed interactive adventure games all around the world for about seven years. And these games were kind of like The Amazing Race meets The Game with Michael Douglas and Sean Penn, where they're actors and secret agents. And it was great. I got to create mayhem and chaos and fun wherever I went. Um, and it was a real education in how you design for play. Can I just pause and just say, like, what people probably don't understand about this is, like, you would actually, like, parachute into different cities and yeah. set up these, like, super elaborate games that sometimes, like, hundreds of people would yes. play. I mean, it, it, it really is when you say once-in-a-lifetime job. It's one of those jobs where you're, like, when we met up again, I was, like, wait. <laughs> that's a job you get paid to do this? It sounds incredible. I felt the same way. Yeah, um, it was great. And we created these games for different reasons, for team building, for tourism, for marketing, for entertainment. And I got to not only produce these games and on average about a hundred a year. And these are like, in many cases, bespoke experiences. So when you say parachute, you're not kidding. I was really <laughs> barreling into a place, figuring out how to make it fun really fast, um, but fun for a reason, right? And then I became the director of games and innovation. I ran our team globally. That was another education. And what's fun in Copenhagen may not be fun in Singapore. And then after that, I got uh, the opportunity to work at a design company called IDEO, and they have a play lab. And I joined the play lab as an experienced designer. And I did that for about oh, just about five years. Yeah, if I'm getting Again, I just have to jump in here and say, like, people are probably listening to this and being like, oh my God, this <laughs> this woman has gotten the most amazing uh jobs. I mean, that just sounds like incredible. Okay. So although I would love to like we could spend hours just digging into right. like that. What's really interesting, the topic of today's conversation is a little bit gonna be what happened inside of that job and as you evolved. And what's happened with you personally around your mission and what you want to do with your life and, and what it is. And I want to set this up a little bit. In the Life Hack Method, we talk a lot about creating people's life map. And a life map is a model of your life and success. 
right? And so it's a mission, a vision, and a and what we call a leverage ladder. If you're listening to this and you're not part of Lifehack Method and you've never done this, don't worry. All that you really need to understand is it's simply like a priority list. It's like a it's a document that's your dotted line to the buried treasure of your life, right? It's just like, this is where I'm going. These are the steps I have to take. And this is the payoff once I get there. And the part of the life map that flummoxes people the most, that sometimes gives them heart palpitations, if not full-blown breakdowns, is like <laughs> the mission. Like, what am I supposed to be doing in my life? And often I'll get people, Jenny, in their 40s, 50s, even 60s saying, what do I want to be when I grow up? And they're like, oh, Eek, I'm I'm grown up. Like, how can I still be asking myself this question of what do I want to be when I grow up when I'm pretty much grown up, right? And it really gives gives us all the all the scaries, all the palpitations, right? And and so you experienced a form of this yourself, didn't you? Yes. So I remember the moment that you asked me my mission statement. I had quit my job because for a pandemic, I was feeling pretty burned out. I had spent so much time teaching other people how to make fun and make play. I totally lost sight on how to do that for myself. And so I decided to take a break, take a breather and reset and reconnect with myself. We got an opportunity to spend time together and you asked me point blank, okay, so what's your mission? And I had all of those feels that you just <laughs> expressed. Um, and I really resisted. I don't know if you remember this, but I kind of bristled, maybe it was in front of you, maybe it was just later, but I remember tossing and turning thinking, you can't, you, I contain multitudes, like you can't put baby in a corner, like what are you talking about one mission, I'm so many things, I do this, I do, I make zombie apocalypse disaster preparedness games, I create textile recycling festivals, like no, like a mission will not contain me, but I kept thinking about it, I kept thinking about it, and Finally, it emerged after a couple of days of agony. And it wasn't until the mission statement revealed itself that the sparkle zone process, which we're going to talk about, really started to work and work like whoa. And so I I realized that this process that I'd been working on for myself to to tap into the sparkliest version of myself didn't really uh, the rubber didn't meet the road until it was integrated into the life hack method. And I have you to thank for that. Um, thank you for pushing me to think about my mission because everything else is, is kind of fallen into place and taken me in wild directions that I could have never anticipated. So here we are. I love it. So, so let's talk about this sparkle zone concept that you developed for yourself. And um, what I love about it is like, we're going to start, we're going to start double clicking. So let's start at the, like the highest, most generic level, you know, as I understand it, and please correct me where I'm wrong. Like yeah. at the highest level, if I was chat GPT and I was trying to define what is sparkle zone, um, it would really be a process for helping you understand what makes you feel sparkly, right? What gets yeah. what gets you lit up every day? And even on the days when you're not lit up, what keeps you moving through the doldrums because you're so um, inspired by where you're going? So maybe let's double click one level down and maybe help us understand like at a high level, how would you define it? Sure. So the sparkle zone is the term that I lovingly use to describe the overlap of four buckets in my life. And that is my purpose, where I feel called to serve, my uh, prowess, what I'm really, really good at, 
my personal growth, where I want to be better, and my play, what brings me a lot of joy. And when those four things overlap in the same focus, the same project, the same effort, that's when I feel sparkly AF. And so sparkle zoning, this process, is what I developed as a methodology to figure out how to spend the majority of my waking hours in that space. Um, and by the way, you know, I call it the sparkle zone. It has been called many things since the beginning of time, Dharma, Ikigai, divine calling. Like this is not a new concept, but what has been really exciting and rewarding is applying my game design skills and the human-centered design skills that I picked up at IDEO to myself to figure out how do I optimize for my sparkle zone and how do I use it to make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis. Oh man, I love that. So can you give me those four again, just so that people, I'm sure people are like, whoa, 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 I need to get my pencil sure. or pen ready. Okay, so yeah. what are those four? Purpose, prowess, personal growth, play. So where you called to serve, what you're good at, where you want to grow, what you love to do. And you know, when we were having our conversations, you were very, I, I want to be clear, like, it wasn't like, oh, I did this once. And then it all revealed itself <laughs> no. in this, like, in this perfect unraveling. And I think this is often what we get so much with mission is that all of us A-type people, you know, when given an assignment, what do we want to do? We want to finish the assignment as soon as possible. We want to get an A plus with a little star on it. And we want to put it in a drawer and move on to the rest of the things in our life. But unfortunately, this process can be very long. It can mm -hmm. be agonizing. It can really force you to ask questions that you'd rather not have to ask. And it can also be an invitation or at least a requirement to step into experimentation and and um, prototyping around mm -hmm. what you want. So this was not like an overnight experience Absolutely for you, not. right? Yeah, no, it, it it took a long time to arrive at even the process, which is still evolving. And much like the the winning the week method, it doesn't actually work until it becomes a practice, right? It doesn't actually work until you're going to the gym consistently. So that's also why the integration of the sparkle zoning process with LHT was the unlock because I realized like this needs to be a weekly ritual where I'm reflecting on this and, and uh, redirecting myself accordingly. So yeah, so what you've been doing, as I understand it is, and I love this analogy of the gym, it's like we could create the best diet plan and the best exercise plan. And that's all fine. That's actually important work to be doing. But where the progress really happens, where it really meets the road is in our making the right meals and eating the right meals every day and yeah. hitting the gym. And that's the part that like a lot of us would rather not do. It's like, can I just do a lot of work once and then set it and forget it? And, and this is a process. And I just want to emphasize this for people who are out there struggling with finding their mission, finding their sparkle zone, right. Getting in that place that, that they really want to be in their life. I, I think the, probably the best expectation setting up front is just when you set your expectation that's going to happen in like a day, a week, or a month, you are setting yourself up for misery because it's not going to happen that fast. It almost never happens that fast. You have to sort of say, does it matter if it takes three years, if I ultimately get to a place where I am very deeply aligned in all of those four Ps? And the answer is like, no, 
it doesn't matter if it takes that long because it's worth it. But I think we have to take that school brain of ours where it's like, I'm going to scram for the test and I'm going to take the test. Then the test will be over. We have to take that and put it aside and recognize this is more of a practice than it is just like a homework assignment. Right. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And it gets more and more exciting the more you zoom out. So where this really clicked for me was when we were doing, my partner and I were doing the reflection end of year exercise that you and Carrie recommend, where you sit down and you write down all of your wins, all of your losses and your personal and your professional. And I took it another step further and I asked myself, which of these things were in my sparkle zone? And you can get really crispy on that, you know, like, did my purpose show up in this? Did my play show up in this? And so I have this like four-star system now where I'm rating these wins and seeing like how sparkly are they. And it wasn't until I did that where I was like, oh my God, look what has happened. Look what life I'm living now. You know, this was a year after you'd first asked me that mission question. And I started tying these methodologies together to support myself. Because you're right, at day to day, it can be pretty excruciating. But when you zoom out and you look back over a longer chunk of time, you can see the progress and you can see yourself living the life that you actually want to be living. So I I highly recommend the reflection piece as well. I love that you touched on that. So we're, I, I don't know how, how down this rabbit hole we want to go, but I, I think this idea of what I've seen a lot when I've walked people through finding their mission is often when people are completely lost, they're like, I have no idea what I should be doing. I'll say, let's find the mission that you've already been serving. Meaning what has the totality of what you've already been doing in your life? If you put that into a sentence, if you put that into a mission, what would it have been? Uh, There's a guy named David. um, I don't want to out him by saying his last name, but um, there's a guy named Dave who was one of my clients. And, you know, he was like, oh, you know, I'm just a foot, I'm a foot doctor. You know what? I'm just a boring old foot doctor. All I do is I'm a foot doctor. I spend 80 hours a week being a foot doctor, you know, like, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, okay, well, let's let's look at what you've already been doing. Meaning, and this is a little bit morbid, but try not to take it too much in the morbid respect. Like, you know, if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, what would the impact that you've already had have been, right? And so, you know, he came up with one that was really, I, I don't know, you know, I fix people's feet. And it's funny that he said this to me because I have had excruciating foot pain previously in my life. I had a whole year where I could barely walk for longer than a half an hour continuously on my right foot. And so I was, I think my higher power had literally put me in that moment with him because I was like slapped him across the face a couple of times. I was like, you do not understand. Like, yes, people walk around every day on both feet. And the people who don't have foot pain are probably like, they don't even think about their feet. But when you have excruciating foot pain and it takes you out of the things that you enjoy doing and you can't go to sleep at night because your foot is hurting so bad, like you wouldn't believe how badly that impacts your quality of life. I mean, it's just horrible. And so we actually wrote a mission for him about like helping – what we did in his mission is we contained the, the, the totality of like, hey, there's so many people out there right now playing tennis, playing golf playing with their kids, right? And they don't even know the pain that they could be in because you, so they they don't know the counterfactual. They don't know what their life could have been and how much pain they'd be in, how much they would have had to give up if you hadn't fixed their foot. And so we, I, I can't remember and don't want to venture to guess like what the sentence was, but we put together a sentence for his mission that talked about helping people navigate the world pain-free. 
so that they could really live their best life without having to be distracted by pain and really being able to go out and do the things they wanted. And when he read that mission, he fell in love with what he did all over again. And he realized it was almost like he came back to himself. He was like, this is actually why I got into this. There was tears. It was like, oh my God, it was, it, it was almost like falling in love with your spouse or your partner again, like and seeing them in the way that you saw them originally. I'm getting emotional about this, but like, you know, and I think the first thing I try to do with people is help them understand what they've already been doing. You know, and I think that's such a great place to start with mission because even if Dave wanted to like quit, you know, he'd been a foot doctor for like 20, 25 years. It's okay to say like, I'm done with that. I've already done that. You know, I've done something great, but still, even if you walk away from something, you want to understand what's the good that I've already done, right? And what's the impact that I've already had. And I think that's such an important way to start this process is by acknowledging what you've already been up to, what you've already done. And I think people are so dismissive about themselves and about their jobs and about, oh, I'm just doing this. Oh, I'm just this, or I'm just that. And it's like, no, like really get into the most charitable place. And like, imagine like, what have I already been doing? So I'm sorry, I'm blathering. Let me toss that to you. How does that land with you when I say that? No, a hundred percent. And it's, it's about starting with reflection and celebrating yourself for what you are doing already. And then I think there's an opportunity to dial up the sparkle so that you feel this divine sense of joy and lightness and purpose. And it becomes the most amazing decision-making tool. It's like a hot knife through butter where all of a sudden if you know what your mission is, you know what to say no to. And I've had this experience of saying yes to the things that historically I would say yes to because I know I'm good at it. I know someone wants me to do it. You know, all of the should, 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 should. And I referred back to my mission. I was like, you know what? This does not further my mission. And in fact, this is distracting from my champagne moment, my sparkly champagne moment that I spent a lot of time crafting for myself. And so I can't, I can't stress how important having a clear Barclay mission statement is in making decisions that frees up your time so you can do what you're here to do. I love that you said that, you know, people say, oh, mission, because, you know, the problem with when we say a mission statement, you know, corporate, the corporate world has really stretched that term out to the point where it it almost is like meaningless. Like, and you read corporate mission statements is like, we're here to provide excellent customer service and the highest level of integrity. And you're like, blah, blah, blah. Like they're using all of this fancy corporate speak that means nothing and that pulls all of the soul out of it. But I think a great mission statement is a very sharp tool in your tool belt. And what it does is it helps you understand like what wave you should be surfing, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning like in a world where there's wave after wave after wave coming at you, right? And things, again, things you might get paid for handsomely, but don't serve other criteria in your life. I mean, there's just so many great opportunities and things that we could do in our life. We tend to have this paradox of choice where it's like, but what should I, in this world of everything that I could do, and I know I have so much possibility, what should I do? And I think a great mission statement tells you exactly like, do this, don't do that. Do Mm -hmm. this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And despite how tempting this thing looks, don't do it. You should do this other thing that feels a lot harder because that's the wave that you should be surfing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, the other thing that I love about a mission statement is that it it helps you bet on yourself. A dear friend of mine 
<laughs> we talk about this. This, this, we were pep talking each other as we were diverging from this conventional path into this unconventional, more sparkly path that we were trying to design for ourselves. And one day she said, "Yeah, Jenny, because I, I was at a crossroads. I said, do I do this thing that I know how to do that you know tried and true, or do I take this big leap?" And she goes, "Jenny, bet the whole house." And so that was her invitation to me to bet on myself, to trust that I could take this gigantic leap of faith and stick the landing. And not only did I do that, but I've done that multiple times since, and it has dramatically changed the course of my life. So I'll give you an example of how, you know, life hack method, how combining that with the sparkle zone has changed everything that I've done in the course of, I mean, two years, but really a year, right? So Prior to this, I, I was working in consulting and I knew how to do that. I knew how to help clients figure out what they needed to do to use play design to get a bigger impact in their work. And so when I left my job, I thought, well, I guess I'll just be a consultant, which, you know, I have no problem being a consultant. But at the time, that was not a, an expression of my sparkle zone. That was me copping out, right? It's what felt um, possible. It's, it's like, well, that possible. just feels easy. Yeah. Exactly. And meanwhile, I started cultivating a, a Sparkle Zone project. You know about it because I asked you to help me play test it, a climate action game show. This was an idea that I had many years ago. I thought, what if you could make climate action, talking about climate solutions, fun, or at very least not depressing? Like, is that even possible? And I was curious about it. And it gave me a little like blue in my in my chest, which was is always a good sign. And so I started experimenting with it and it started to snowball and it started to snowball. And it ended up, I, we brought it to a festival. We brought it to different clients. It, it, it took on a life of its own. And at the end of last year, there was another crossroads of, do we, my partner and I, do we continue to cultivate this thing, which is a vast unknown. I've never done anything like this launching a an experience to to the world. I just tell other people how to do it or I make it for clients. Or do we do the the try tested true path? And I remembered the no bet the whole house. And I also remembered my mission. And I asked myself, what is more in service of my mission? And the answer was the game show. And with that leap of faith, I reached out and pitched a, a an old my old company that I used to work with on an idea and they were like, we're game. And now we are launching the game show to the world April 1st. And that would not have been possible had we not had this conversation about this mission and yeah. and had this practice of of circling back to it and using it as this decision-making tool. So I'm yeah. so grateful to you and to Carrie for creating this process and for creating a space where people can practice it. I've so enjoyed being a part of Tribe. So um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I can't sing this from the treetops enough. This really works or it has worked for me. Well, it's interesting because I almost think about, you know, those water diviners where it's like, you're trying to find like, okay, in a, in a dry space, like where's, where's the water? Where should we dig right. for the water? And I think often when people, when I ask people what's sparkly for you or what's your mission or the, I think the problem is that modern life can be such a bummer and be filled with so many responsibilities that sometimes that part of our brain that can even think and tune into what we want for ourselves or what's sparkly can actually sort of atrophy. I don't want to say die because that's not true, but it can very much atrophy to the point where sometimes when you've been 
you know, in corporate doing what other people want and, uh, you know, have a family and just doing things, what your husband or your kids need or your family mm-hmm. needs that you can get to a point where when somebody asks you, what do you want? It's like, oh my God, it's like I, that nothing comes up. Yeah. And what I love about your sparkle zone process is that it very much gives you a methodology where in a seemingly dry landscape, you can start thinking about where to dig for water. <laughs> yes. You're retraining your brain to listen to yourself, but it is very step-by-step. Um, so I don't know if that's, if you want me to get into that or if we save that for. Well, I'll leave it to you. If you want to touch on some things we can, but, but I do, this is a good time to say, gang, if you are in Lifehack Tribe, Jenny is going to be revealing and stepping through the entire Sparkle Zone process in our upcoming monthly training. That training is going to be, I pulled it up here, is going to be Wednesday, April the 5th, at 12 noon Eastern time. I'll say that again, Wednesday, April the 5th at 12 noon Eastern time. And you can go to the live's call schedule in our Lifehack Tribe page. So you can sign up and register for that because I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be like, oh my God, this is what I've been really wanting and really needing. So um, with that, I'll say that Jenny, you can touch on anything you want from the process, but you don't have to go into the whole thing because people will know that they can jump in. You know what? I'm going to save the that fun stuff for later. I, I'm going to share where the Sparkle Zone process came from, and maybe that'll shed a little bit of light on what it is that we're going to be doing. So rewind the tape to summer of 2020. There's a lot happening in the world. I don't know if you remember. Um, and a colleague of mine reached out because I was doing a lot of organizing at work. That was something I was passionate about. I really wanted to gather my peers to to create new things that we were proud of. And a colleague reached out and said, hey, I really appreciate how you bring your values to work. Can you give me some pointers? And I was like, oh, no, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I would really appreciate a thought partner in exploring and testing out ideas together. Would you be that person? And she said, yes. So we started meeting once every couple of weeks and just reflecting on things that we were doing and what was working and what wasn't working, and just trying to find patterns. One thing that I realized pretty early in those discussions was that when I had two out of the four buckets, this is before the sparkle zone was even a, you know, a a glimmer in my eye, but I was starting to see that, well, obviously purpose is important to me. Play is important to me. I've built an entire career believing in it. And, you know, I'd like to think I've, I've acquired some skills along the way, but I still have many more too. So those those kind of categories were starting to emerge. But what I realized was that when I had over-indexed in one or two of those things without counterbalancing with the other things, I would start to spin out. So for example, if I was over-indexing in purpose, I'd feel this really strong drive. The world needs what I'm trying to do. I'm here to support. I'm here to serve. Um, and maybe I might couple that with prowess, with something that I'm really good at. And that might have felt good for a while, but then I would burn out because there was not enough joy. There was not enough curiosity. There's not enough like stretching. And then I would feel a whole layer of guilt. Like, oh my God, Jenny, like, how are you stopping now? The world needs this. You know, you're, you're, you're letting everybody down and that, and I would go into, you know, a nosedive. On the other side of things, I might find something that I love to do, brings me tons of joy. I might be really good at it. And it would feel so good for a while. And then I would kind of bottom out. It's kind of like a, you know, eating a week's worth of meals of 
bubble gum where it's like, this tastes great. And by the end, you're like, I hate it. I hate it all. Because I would, there would be this little voice in my head, like, well, are you doing this to distract yourself from what the world really needs? And that, that balance wasn't there. So from those conversations, I realized, oh, I need all of these things to be present in the same effort. It, it doesn't work if you have a little joy over here, a little purpose over here. I mean, it, it may sustain you for a while, but it doesn't give you that same sparkly feeling. And yes. so that was the origins of, of the sparkle zone as a like, oh, I need, I need these four categories. Then I went on a road trip with my partner through the Southwest had all sorts of like eureka moments as you do in the Southwest. And the biggest eureka moment was, you know what? You know, the world desperately needs us all to be in our sparkle zones. Like nothing, nothing less will do. If we're going to make transformation happen, we can't, we can't, you know, limp our way there. We all have to like mm. find our sparkle zone and like hold hands and care bear stare at. Otherwise, like... <laughs> we're just going to keep, you know, spinning out. And, and I realized in that moment, wow, I'm not spending the majority of my day in my sparkle zone. And that's a problem. Yes. And so the process came from that of like, how do I identify, assess, and ideate what I want to do next? And how do I then integrate that into my life to create more sparkle more of the time? So yeah. that's where the process came from. And that's what we're going to be diving into. Boy, you know, I love that. So I, well, I guess we'll wrap it up here, but just some final thoughts. What I, what I heard from that, I heard a lot of sustainability and balance, right? This mm -hmm. idea that like, yes, one of those four can feel really good one or two, but if you don't have all four of them in some level of balance over a longer period of time, what you're going to start to realize is that you're not getting the full that full body sparkle that you're that you're looking for. And I love the idea of sparkle because you really, you can see it, can't you, Jenny, when somebody is in their sparkle zone, right? You can, you can really see behind see their eyes. It's incredible. Yeah, you can just see that somebody's like, wow, you know, and it's not like you're the second coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, no. just, just more of like a, in that real way of just like, wow, this person is just loving their life and they love what they do and they could do it every day. And I generally when i see people who've either through work or through luck have found their way to a sparkle zone often you'll hear them say things like man i could do it i could do this every day for the rest of my life i just love what i do or you'll hear them say things like i can't believe i get paid to do this i'm so lucky they're filled with a lot of gratitude um and so so yeah i i guess um maybe that's the the result that we're looking for and again it's not an overnight thing. This is a process, sometimes a painful process. It can be two steps forward, three steps back, five steps mm -hmm. forward. It can be very nonlinear. But when you engage in that process, I mean, what better question can you wrestle with than what should I make my life mean? And what should I put my efforts toward? And it's a scary question. And it's a hairy question. And boy, it is like a bear that when you start wrestling with it, it's going it, to, you know, you're not going to come out unscathed. Like, you're yeah. going to take some hits, you know, you're going to take some scratches and you're going to yeah, bleed a little bit. More than a few existential meltdowns in this, yeah, in this there's going to be tears. <laughs> there's going to be tears. But it's worth it. It's so, I cannot stress enough. It is so worth it. Where I am right now is so different from where I was a couple of years ago. And I'm just so grateful for you all for creating the space for me to go through that transformation. I well, hope that feels that like others. a really, 
Oh, good, good. We're going to do that. That's what we're going to aim to do in this training. So why don't we wrap it up there? And I'll just invite everybody who's in Lifehack Tribe um, to come and check out this training. I think it's going to be amazing. I think you're going to love it. Um, it will be recorded. So if you can't make it live, don't worry. We'll have the replay posted. And uh, Jenny, I'll just give you the final word and then we'll wrap it up here. What do you think people should be thinking about or what do you want to let people know before we wrap it up here? Whatever you do, don't forget to have fun. The mm. end. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Jenny, thank you so much. And um, gang, thank you everyone for listening to this, uh, this episode of the Freedom Decoded podcast. Uh, appreciate you. And for all of you who are in Life Act Tribe, I'll be seeing you in the training. Thank you.